The following podcast is brought to you by Radio Southland and New Zealand On Air. Radio Southland is a community access media station based in Invercargill, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, radiosouthland.org.nz, for our contact details. Hey, welcome to Grinding Gears with Pete and Aaron. Radio South, only 6.4 and Coast Access Radio in Kapiti. So coming to you from the bottom of the North and the South Island. Also on Spotify and iTunes, but you can also stream us on accessmedia.nz. And find us on the old internets at Facebook. Just search Grinding Gears. Now coming up this week, we've got the Rotary of the Future. A warning for car dealers and a look at the price of gas, plus Tesla time. So stick around.
Back on Grinding Gears with Pete and Aaron. Radio South and 96.4 and Coast Access Radio Capity. And here's a kick. There's a pistonless 25,000 RPM capable engine that shows combustion could have a future. Yeah, the Omega 1 is a rotary engine with no seals, barely any moving parts, and no losses in the combustion cycle. 
You know, as much as we love piston engines, uh, they're pretty inefficient. Um, you lose stacks of energy through heat, friction, and more, wasting a great deal of potential from that exploding fuel. Uh, one new engine design, however, uh, aims to eliminate nearly all of the losses associated with eternal combustion. It's the Omega One from a company called Astron Aerospace. Invented by Matthew Riley, it's a rotary engine, but it operates very differently from a Wankel. For one thing, there are no apex seals, or many seals for that matter. Uh, the design splits the four-stroke combustion cycle into two. Uh, on one half of the engine, there's two pedal rotors dealing with intake and compression, and another pair on the other side for combustion and exhaust. Two counter-rotating shafts run through the engine as these rotors, each synchronised by big gears. Yeah, these cogs in the bearings are the only contact points in the whole engine, thus the only bits that require lubrication. Very tight tolerance is a key if the lack of rotor seals, as are the high RPMs involved, since there is not enough time there to leak when running, according to Astron. Yeah, there's also a supercharged air intake running at extremely high pressure, which is said to be an integral part of the combustion process. Mm. Yeah. Uh, compared with a regular supercharger that might run something like 15 psi on a production car, the Omega One's forces air in at almost 200 to 300 psi. Mm. Another interesting element is the skip fire function. While you're accelerating, the engine will fire during every rotation, but at cruising speed, it'll only combust when necessary. So say every 5, 10, 50 rotations or whatever is required. And as a result of this and generally the generally efficient nature of the engine, the Omega-1 is said to offer extremely low emissions. And now for the really fun bit. Much like a Wankel engine, the Omega-1 system is modular. So you can theoretically line up however many units as you want. A two-stack engine, for instance, would weigh around about 150 kilos and produce around 300 to 300 or 300 brake horsepower to 340 foot-pounds of torque while getting through a very little fuel. Oh, and it'll rev up to, yeah, as Pete said earlier on, up to 25,000 RPM. Suggested applications include generators, marine, aerospace, and yes, recreational vehicles. Certainly saves some weight in those. So while the car industry pushes towards electrification, and projects like this show combustion engines and automotive could have a future in some settings. We do have a ca- uh, to caveat the Omega 1 in saying that the ID seems to be at a fairly early stage. But regardless, it's something we'll watch with some interest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just as well as car dealers encouraged to register stock to avoid clean car fees. As the government's clean car standard looms, the Imported Motor Vehicle Industry Association, the VIA, has issued a notice to the nation's used car sellers to register their stock now in order to minimise the financial impact to come. Yeah, the clean car standard the government is aggressively pursuing, even though New Zealand is nowhere near ready, is set to impose fees, because that's what they do, on high-emission cars and uh, new and used that are brought into the country. The VIA states that vehicles weighing less than 3.5 tonnes 
and producing more than 190 grams per kilometre of CO2 will soon be slapped with a fee at the point of registration from April 1st, 2022. Yeah, the VIA alert reads, we suggest that you check all your stock on the right car website to identify vehicles you have on the yard that will attract a fee and register them between now and 31st of March. Otherwise, you will not be competitive in the marketplace. I what we're supposed to do after that. But they reckon VIA is aware the right car data is not as comprehensive as it could be. They are working with Waka Kotahi and Zion Transport Agency to ensure that better data is available and to develop processes to challenge the official data. Yeah, well, the VIA states that these fees start at $50 per gram over the 190 kilos kilometre, or actually the 190 grams per kilometre CO2 emissions threshold. Crikey, this is getting technical. Mm -hmm. With these vehicles producing more than 250 grams per kilometre, uh, set to inherit a significant flat fee of $2,500. These figures are sent to ramp up as the clean car standards emission target becomes more ambitious. Mm, conversely, cars producing less than 140 grams per k will be entitled to a rebate designed to encourage consumers to choose more efficient vehicles. Well, this only applies to vehicles with a three-star rating or better, you know, safety. Yeah. You've got to wonder where the money's going for this. Yeah, well, to put that into context, New Zealand's most popular import at the moment is the Toyota Aqua Hybrid, for some reason. And then that produces 92 grams per kilometre of CO2, meaning it would be entitled to a rebate. Still not far off, and that's a teen Toyota Hybrid. And the, the thing is 140, so that's only another 48. Uh, anyway, well... 2010 to 16 Suzuki Swifts, 125 grams per kilometre means it ticks the box in emissions front because right car uses a controversial used car safety rating where the Swift only has a two-star rating, so it is actually entitled for a rebate anyway. Yeah, on the flip side, second-generation Nissan L Grand People Mover will have to front the full 2500 buck fee since its CO2 emissions are rated at 300 grams per kilometre. The cars that exceed the 240 gram per kilometre threshold range from the first generation Mazda CX-9. That comes in at 294 grams per kilometre. Mm. And the outgoing Hyundai I-Load petrol, and that comes out at uh, 270 grams a kilometre. It's a bit for a van, eh? Yeah. On the flip side, and uh, not before time though, new regulations up to stop New Zealand's rising frickin' petrol prices. New Zealand petrol prices, you may have noticed, are currently at an all-time high, with fears that the price of 91 will surpass 3 bucks a litre nationwide well before the end of the year. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've said that before, but they're really creeping up now. I did see it the other day. Mm. Yeah, now that the Commerce Commission is seeking to stop the unending rising prices throughout a series of regulations that are set to come into effect next month, namely targeting petrol companies. Yes, the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment, or the MBIE, or MBIE, reports that the, price in, uh, the rise in price stems from increased importer margins. Yeah, this corresponds somewhat to recent claims from the Automobile Association, the AA, that rising prices are a result of the world coming out of the COVID-19 lockdown and demand for fuel exceeding supply. 
Well, although the firm stopped short of saying that the petrol companies were ramping up costs in pursuit of added profits. Well, it wouldn't be the first time. No. Some of the new regulations coming into force in February are literally frickin' years in the waiting. The government's fuel industry bill was announced last August, aiming to increase competition between companies by giving independent firms more flexibility with switching suppliers and by making advertising of spot prices mandatory among other changes. But this is only now coming into effect. Yeah, the biggest tweak, though, is that from February onwards, petrol companies will have to report their costs and sell volumes to the Commerce Commission giving the Commission a greater understanding of the fuel market and whether companies are complying with the regulations. Mm, I think they would have been doing that right from the frickin' get-go. Should have. Anna Rowling, as Commerce Commission Chair, reckons this information will help with the Commission monitor and report uh, on the competitive performance of the fuel market, including whether fuel companies are making a, a, you know excessive margins at the expense of consumers. And speaking to Newsroom, General Manager of Retail at Petrol Firm Z, Andy Beard, rejects the MBIE's claim that importers' margins have been increased. Yeah, he said the lag in this data has been a source of frustration for ourselves and our stakeholders for some time as it does not accurately reflect the trading conditions that Z is currently experiencing in the market. But apparently they can categorically state that Z is not achieving the margins indicated by the MBIE's data and continue to raise their concerns in regard to this to MBIE. Yeah, well... Uh, the news comes following numerous sightings this week that probably in Auckland mm. of premium fuel uh, exceeding $3 per litre. Also with diesel often spotted over $2 a litre. Monitoring uh, Gatsby uh, live update petrol price app, uh, the lowest price in, of 91 in Invercargill at the moment or today is $2.51. And that's it. Um, the, should I say it? The NPD or Allied? Yeah, yeah it definitely NPD. They're across the board at all the NPDs in Invercargill, they're all at two fifty one. And that and the, the top end for the ninety one was uh, two dollars and sixty nine cents, and that was at the BP. Yep, no surprises there. Inverse diesel prices at the time, while we're while we're talking here, uh, range from one eighty five at BPL's rule to one seventy five Allied uh, tramway. Orders at Allied Fuel Stop down Bond Street there. Uh, good old MPD 100 Octane is currently... When do you write that 179. Down? 179, so that's about the same price as... Was it 91 at BP? No, not... Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, and 98, we don't actually get down here. So it's definitely something for us to worry about, but uh, so let's just put a song on and ease our minds. <laughs>
we're still here, and hopefully so are you. This is Grinding Gears with Pete and Aaron. Coming to you from Radio South, the 96.4, and Coast Access Radio Capity. It's your grassroots car show. And an extra bit we actually found, uh, Honda Acura has launched its own anime, and you can watch it now. Cool. It's a little four-part anime, Chiaki's Journey, on YouTube, and aims to promote the brand's new Type S lineup. Yeah, the car adverts are usually terrible, so imagine our interest when we learned about Acura was to do something much more interesting than the usual 30-second TV spot to plug its Type S cars. Said Honda's premium division has released a four-part anime and all episodes are already available for your viewing pleasure. Released to coincide with the 2022 Sundance Film Festival, which somehow didn't get cancelled because of COVID, and actually Akura sponsors it, it's a short and sweet affair. Each installment of Chiaki's journey comes in around a minute long. Yeah, Chiaki is described as a young driver protege, developing her talent under her uncle Noboru, providing guidance. Chiaki has to go up against her arch-rival Erich Kang. Um, thankfully he has the right on and on-brand tool for the job and a Cura NSX Type S. Sweet. Also appearing is the MGX Type S SUV and the four-door TLX Type S. Japanese models. You see, the recently revealed all-new Integra makes a cameo appearance too as does the old DC2. Chiaki's actually wearing a DC2 t-shirt in one episode, which is a bit of a neat touch. Uh, we have some action on Private Mountain Road, because obviously a car brand doesn't exactly condone street racing. And a finale on the Long Beach circuit used for an IndyCar event, uh, a Curid also just happens to sponsor. So they're ticking all the corporate boxes in. Yeah, due to the brief nature of the series, we're left wanting more. But with online uh, reception to the anime seeming very positive on the whole, perhaps Akira will be convinced to release further and hopefully longer episodes in the future. Mmm, and now it's Tesla time. And Musk has confirmed, no Cybertruck or Roadster in 2022. In Tesla's 2021 uh, last quarter earnings call to see how much of a ridiculous amount of money they've made, Elon confirmed something that will surprise at no one. The Roadster and Cybertruck won't be released this year either. Yeah, 2021 was a bumpy year for Tesla, as confirmed by the CEO in the company's uh, fourth quarter earnings call. The company generated a record $5.5 billion profit over the course of the year. Uh, it's delivered 936,172 vehicles, 308,600 of which were in the final quarter. Sales in China were the biggest growth ever. Despite admitting uh, Tesla will be chip-limited due to the global uh, semiconductor shortage, which is still happening, Musk, Musk expects significant growth in 2022 over 2021. So maybe he'll make $10 billion next year, this year. So, well, he reckons 50% or more, but we'll see. What won't be happening this year, however, is the production uh, start of either the Roadster, Cybertruck, or even the semi-truck thing they've been going on about at length. Crikey, there will be no... New Tesla models in 2022, as introducing any would hit overall growth. Must explained it would not make any sense because we will still be parts constrained. He said, adding, we will, however, do a lot of engineering and tooling, whatnot, to create those vehicles, cybertrucks, semis, and roadsters. Delayed to 2023, then, and potentially later, shouldn't come as a huge surprise, as all those vehicles have been continually pushed back. The also was actually supposed to arrive in 2020. It's probably when we did our first freaking show on it. Yeah. Finally, summer last year, the semi-truck was postponed until uh, 2022, which has been postponed again, I guess. 
Uh, well, Musk also said the controversial full self-driving system will become the most important source of profitability for Tesla in time. His personal guess is that they'll achieve full self-driving this year with with data safety levels significantly greater than present. Although we should point out this is far from the first time such promises have been made. The final point of interest in the call is news of the $25,000 car. Thank you, mine will be $25,000 American. Mm -hmm. Tesla said aimed to release in 2023, or lack of. It's not on the horizon at all, apparently, with Musk noting, we're not currently working on a $25,000 car. At some point, we will. Well, just as well we ain't holding our breath, then. And uh, don't you listeners either as well, because it's time to end another week. So don't be a dick, make it click. The preceding podcast was brought to you by Radio Southland with the support of New Zealand On Air. Their funding of accessmedia.nz makes these podcasts available. To find similar programs by other stations involved, go online to accessmedia.nz. 